Uh, so New City Church, I'm Nate Bush, lead pastor of New City, and I'm here with Pastor Ricky Brown. Ricky, give us a, a little bit about you. Uh, where are you, and uh, what are you doing there? My name is Ricky Brown. I am in the High Park neighborhood of Chicago. Uh, we founded a church here called New Creation Church in September 2018. It is a multi-ethnic, intergenerational a community of disciples living out a life to make other disciples. Yeah. All right. So what, what brought you to Hyde Park? Like, why did you choose to plant a church there? I, I got hired by the seminary at Moody, and that's why I moved to Chicago. But I moved to Hyde Park. Yeah, long story short, man, just the longer I stayed in Hyde Park, the more I fell in love with the community and the people. So I highly suggest that people actually live in the community that they want to plant a church in. You know, our passion is to see the renewal of our city and uh, I have a 30-year goal for our city that there's some things I'd like to see happen in the 30 years of ministry that I hope hopefully I'll get to spend in our city and see see things change. What's something that you you hope a mark you hope to make with new creation like what's a mark in, in your community that you hope uh, you can make in your church? Uh, there are 200,000 people within the three mile radius around Hyde Park. We got to at least reach yeah one percent of the two hundred thousand, which is two thousand people. Yeah. At least one percent. We we're not only a church of disciples who make disciples, but we are a church that plants churches. So that means that from day one, long before being self-sustained, we uh, set aside ten percent of our public tithes and offerings to a high interest bearing account for church planting. Awesome. So a lot of times when people say they're going to multiply, well, you'll never multiply if you don't multiply. How would you describe your call to ministry? That's good, man. You know, I, I grew up old school, man. I grew up in a historically African-American church uh, where um, there was a big uh, emphasis on calling. And so all of my uncles are pastors, so I knew better. I tried to run the <laughs> as I could. I did yeah. not want to be a pastor. I'm actually a pilot. I had my life figured from my, I had my plan for my life figured out. I was saying cockpit, God was saying pulpit. It literally got to the point where I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't think until I was obedient and told the Lord yes. So um, there's a pastor uh, who pastored our church for years uh, and he would say, avoid it as long as you can. <laughs> and then when you can't avoid it anymore, preach. I, I love hearing those stories of how guys end up in ministry that way and, and, uh, and gals and, you know, sort of what, what the Lord does, how he calls us to a uh, unique purpose. Hey, uh, didn't plan on having this part of the conversation with you. It's so great to have you, you know, appreciate for us this weekend, but the emotional temperature has been stirred uh, in our, uh, in our, in our country. And I, know, I think people are looking for like, how do we, you know, how do we talk about this? There is a, a preaching uh, adage or just saying that says, I've got to take my time and hurry up. Mm. And I think that people who are not black have to be quiet and speak up. Mm. That's good. But the, on, on, the, on, the one, on the one hand, yes, it's time to, to listen. And you can't do that while you're talking. We got to speak up at the same time, mm -hmm. even if you're not African-American in this country. Uh, we do have a duty to call out injustice and hypocrisy and racism and prejudice 
in the world around us and in those who are Christians but remain silent about evil. Uh, then lastly, it's also a place of power we have to realize because God is the greatest power, we won't be defeated. And the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The two lanes that we gotta, again, walk in at the same time. One, we learn from Dr. King's uh, philosophy of ministry, uh, I feel comfortable saying, of nonviolent protests. That will change laws and get laws that protect citizens from having someone kneel on their neck for almost nine minutes. The gospel changes the heart and deals with the sin of racism. So we need both. We got to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to realize that racism cannot be legislated away. Systemic injustice cannot be legislated away. This is a sin of the heart. It is a heart issue. And the only uh, uh, remedy for the human dilemma is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we got to do both of these at the same time. Well, I'm excited to be here with you today to share God's word with you, uh, New City. Before I do, I want to share a word with you about your pastor, my friend, Nate Bush. Nate and I met initially through Stadia. Uh, He works for Stadia. He's a part of their team. And I was just helping out and he did everything he could to make me feel accepted. He was so personable and warm. And right away, I knew that this was somebody I wanted to know and be connected to. So uh, to have the opportunity to open God's word at such an amazing church, uh, it is such an honor and a privilege. Uh, New Creation Church is a multi-ethnic intergenerational church here in the High Park neighborhood of Chicago. And we turned two years old on the second Sunday of this month in September, which is so awesome to see how God has sustained us uh, over two years. To be honest, in the early years, you just check your pulse. And if you still have one, hey, God is good. He's faithful. And that's sort of kind of where we are. So, But I believe that God has something from his word to share with each of us this morning that will not only encourage, but challenge our hearts. In many cultures, it is customary when you enter a home to take off your shoes. Uh, For some cultures, they believe that uh, there is energy or karma or uh, bad vibes, if you will, that can be tracked into the home as a result of where the shoes uh, have been. Uh, For other people, it's um, simply a matter of cleanliness because our shoes can track through some dirty stuff. You know, I wonder if our shoes were to testify, what would they say if our shoes could talk? Some people's shoes would say, I have been through some of the most disgusting things that you could imagine. Some shoes would say, listen, you better pull me off before you track me into your house. You do not want to know what I just stepped in. I mean, what would our shoes say if our shoes could talk? Uh, Would they say, I've heard some of the most uh, important conversations uh, that a person could imagine, people crying their hearts out in emotional stress and pain. What would our shoes say if our shoes uh, could talk. Now, shoes are not bad, but if we're honest, our shoes can track through some filthy things. In the book of Joshua, chapter 5, before one of the greatest battles of Joshua's life, what are the instructions that Jesus uh, gives Joshua? He tells him, take off 
Yeshua's. And it's found in Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I could only imagine uh, how Joshua must have felt arriving at the city, arriving to the place where he would experience one of his greatest battles and greatest victories ever. I, I could imagine uh, the type of emotion, the palpable uh, expectation, if you will, that Joshua was experiencing in this moment. Because see, out of all of the cities in Palestine, Jericho, was the most invincible. That's right. They had uh, Joshua's crew. They had no advanced weapons. They had no uh, battering rams. They, they had no catapults. They, they definitely did not have a nine millimeter or AK-47. They, they didn't have anything that was advanced. And so now Joshua and his people arrive and what would be one of the greatest battles that they would experience? They were not the most advanced fighting force. And so they had to win this fight because they were already past the River Jordan. And so leaving uh, their people or bypassing this fight would mean leaving their women and children and their livestock behind. So they could not bypass this city. They, they could not bypass this challenge. They, they could not phone it in, if you will. And can I say to us today that this pandemic we're in, we have tried to ignore it and act like it isn't real, uh, but the businesses are really closing. And unfortunately, there are some people who are really burying family members. Uh, we could argue about whether it's really as bad as they say or not, but, but yet and still, we cannot bypass this battle. And it's in this circumstance, while, while Joshua is, is pondering these heavy thoughts, that he is faced with someone who appears before him. You see, this story, the book of Joshua, contains what most scholars would agree to be as a divine reversal. Oh man, I get excited when I read about uh, divine reversals because a divine reversal is, a, is essentially a place and point in time where God intervenes and he does something so miraculous. He does something so great that only God himself can get the credit for. I love uh, divine reversals. I experienced a divine reversal when I was in high school uh, because I let my grades 
needs in English get so bad that I needed a 100 on the final exam in order to graduate and to pass high school. And lo and behold, I got a 98. And, and this teacher was known for flunking students. Or should I say, students were known for getting flunked by this teacher or flunking themselves under this teacher's class. You understand teachers, don't, don't get offended, but you understand that the students know what it's like to not do their work in her class. She would not show grace. She had all kinds of second and third time 12th graders walking around the halls because she did not give second chances. And she called my dad and she let him know that I needed a 100 on the test and I got a 98. And she says, for some reason, I don't understand why, I've never done this before, but I'm gonna let your son take the test again. That is a divine reversal where something happens that only God can do it. And I wanna encourage you today because you may be in the need of a divine reversal in your marriage. I want you to know that God specializes in divine reversals. You may be in need of a divine reversal in your business, in your home, uh, in your own heart as you walk with God. I want you to know that God specializes in divine reversals and Joshua experiences a divine uh, reversal where Joshua is prepared to be in charge. He is faced with this person who appears before him. And he realizes there's someone else who's more qualified to be in charge. Can I say to us that man, it does something in our life when we have a Jesus take the wheel moment where we realize there is someone else in our lives who is better to be in charge. But here's why I wanna pause for a second. Joshua, is so caught up in the battle that he almost misses God. He's faced with this image, this person that comes before him and he's questioning him and he's asking him the wrong questions. He's asking him to identify himself and Joshua almost misses God. Friends, New City, can I say to us that we are in a very real battle. Some of us are fighting the battle of racial inequality and injustice where uh, in America, a, a man uh, can, can kneel on another man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds while other officers protect him and turn their back and this man dies and some people are fighting this political battle because if my candidate doesn't win then this world is going to hell in a handbasket and some of us are fighting the battle of just trying to be a chef a school administrator an IT uh, administrator a, a, a curriculum uh, developer all in one household while my kids learn online we are fighting battles and the worst thing that we could do is be in the midst of such a heated battle in our lives Life and be like Joshua was, miss God. You see, he's so caught up in the battle that he almost misses God. And once he realizes that this is the Lord himself in front of him, what does he do? He worships him. Can I say to us today that with leadership, everyone in the Bible who sort of kind of got off track, they went off track in one of two ways, altar or stewardship. 
Stewardship is simply uh, the things, the purposes of God, the, the responsibilities that God is giving you to be uh, in charge over. They mishandle them. But this thing called altar, it's more than just the worship team. It's more than just the front of the church. It's more than just how often I read my Bible. The altar is a place in your heart that burns so hot for God that no one else is allowed. It's a place of worship for the Father on the inside of believers. And what does he do? He worships him, not just physically, not just uh, with his body, not just in response, but Joshua is a real worshiper. And here is the question in verse 14, that Joshua asked the Lord that I feel that each of us need to ask of him today. He says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Friends, we may be asking a lot of questions right now. Uh, for many of us are asking questions such as, uh, when will racial inequality end in America? Some of us may be asking questions such as, Lord, uh, how do we stop the inhumane and horrible treatment of unborn babies where they are aborted in late term abortions? God, when will we see an end to this evil response to human life that you have given? Others may be asking, Lord, I've lost everything with my business. When will we see economic rebound in our country? There's so much uh, that has been lost financially as a result of the pandemic. Uh, when will we see these uh, financial uh, breakthroughs restored? But the most important question that we can ask is, Lord, what message do you have for me? I'm telling you that when we get to a place and a posture in our lives of worship, where there's a fiery altar burning in our hearts that is for God and for God alone, meaning we are not drawn to the left or the right by other things and other idols, but we are totally dedicated to God and devoted to him. And we come to a place and point in our lives. We say, Lord, what message do you have for me? What is it that you want me to know? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to say? Lord, what message do you have for me? And after examining this story in Joshua chapter five, what we realize is that Israel lacked three important elements. And I want to unpack those with you briefly, and then uh, we'll close our time together. First, they were lacking. They had not experienced the Passover yet. What is the Passover? The Passover is this celebration about the birth of the nation of Israel, and, and it's, it's a posture of praise, and, and it was celebration. And, and what I want to say to us is that not only is it celebration, but it's a place where the manna stops. You see, whatever God brings you into something that stops, he's also bringing you into something that starts. Whenever God brings you into a place uh, out of one place that he is uh, taking you out of, he's also bringing you into another place that he has uh, prepared. And so we see God move them into a place of Passover. Uh, it's a place of celebration, but it, it is also a place where the manna stops. How many of us are in a season in our lives where what we once knew will not sustain us anymore. 
How many of us in our lives are in a place where the manna has stopped? I want you to be encouraged today. If you if you're in a place and point in your life where you're saying that what used to feed me isn't feeding me, what used to 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 get it down for me is not that, that, that there's something in my life in this one place that is drying up. I want you to know that God never brings us out of a place without bringing us to a place he is preparing. The second thing that they were lacking that they would experience is circumcision. Now, circumcision is rough because we're talking about making knives out of flint. And we're talking about cutting the foreskin off of the males. But watch this. The foreskin was not that which was sinful. But it was what was natural and unneeded. And so uh, the, the, the circumcision had everything to do with uh, dedicating a new generation to God. Uh, he never leaves you without what you were born with, without giving you, giving you what you come into you, come into when you are born again. He never leaves you without what you were born with, without leaving you what you come into when you are born again. This circumcision is about dedicating the new generation to God. But listen. It's not about removing that which is sinful. It's about removing back that which is natural, but unneeded. My friends, I want to ask you a question today. What are you holding on to so dearly? It's, it's not about sin. It's not about something that is disgraceful, but it's about something that is natural and unneeded. Can, can I say to us, can I go there for one second? I don't think that there's anything inherently sinful about being a Republican or Democrat. I don't think that there's anything inherently sinful about a, 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 a political party. There's nothing wrong with having a political party. Or some might say that you have to be a Christian and vote one way or the other. But the point is, I wonder what do we have in our lives that is natural but unneeded needed. You see, what I believe that God is saying is, listen, I'm trying to move you into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm trying to move you into an eternal kingdom. And so all of the things that are temporal, you're going to eventually have to let go of those things in order to have that which is eternal. That's what circumcision is about. It's about dedicating a new generation to God. Lastly, my favorite He's going to move them to a place of encounter. You see, he asks the question Joshua does to this uh, Christophonic, theophonic image. He asks him the question, are you for me or for my enemies? And he answers this with the question, neither. And he says to him, he says, take off your shoes. Now watch this. In the first thing we see with the Passover, he takes away the manna. Next, in celebration, and sorry, in circumcision, he takes away the foreskin. And now lastly, in encounter, he takes away the shoes. All three being things that are natural, but are needed. Do you get the drift? That there are things that we cling to so hard, and we're so afraid to let them go, but I need you to understand something that being a part of the kingdom of God may mean that there are things that are not sinful in your life, but you will have to let them go simply because they are natural and unneeded for the cause of Christ. Yes, they suit your agenda, but do they suit God's ultimate eternal agenda? 
In conclusion, when the army, the captain of the army of the Lord appeared before Joshua, he had his sword drawn. And I want to encourage you with this. Now, when, the, when he appears before uh, 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 Joshua, we understand that the only way that you could be the captain of the army of the Lord is that you are the Lord. So this is why Joshua almost misses God, because he is standing right in front of the Lord himself in appearance, a pre-incarnate image and appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he asks him the question, he says, are you for us? Are you against us? And what did Jesus say? He says, no, I am neither. But he's standing there with his sword drawn. This then is a posture of readiness. It's a posture of, 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 of readiness to make war and to make battle. And so what I need you to know today is that, is that God is showing up in the fiercest battles of your life with his sword drawn. Oh yes, he is. And I am so excited to say today that this is why I don't have to fear shedding things that are natural and unneeded because the Lord himself is showing up in the fiercest battles of of my life with his sword drawn. This posture is a posture of readiness. It's a posture of alertness. And it's a posture that says, what do you need me to do on your behalf? Because friends, we have to understand something that the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. You may be sitting here saying, man, how can I have this power in my life? Listen, this power of God cannot be co-opted. And to be honest, I believe that that's what we're seeing. We're seeing men on either side saying, Lord, this is my agenda. Will you please bless it? He said, Lord, this is my plan. Will, will you please uh, honor it? Lord, this is my plan. Will you please cause it to be fruitful? Will you please cause it to multiply? But the power of God cannot be co-opted for earthly endeavors. What I believe that God is saying is, is like he's leading us into a next level of dedication, a next level of worship, a next level of being devout. And here it is. We're going to even allow him to remove the things that are natural, but are needed. Can we have the courage to do that today? Can we have the courage to allow God to point out the things in our lives that are natural, but are needed? Because this is how God gives us the victory. You may be asking yourself today, how can I have this power? How, how can I have a relationship with this God? I want you to know that it is as simple as these three things. Sorry, thank you, please. It's as simple as that, Lord, I, I am sorry for the things that I've done. Uh, please forgive me. Uh, please forgive me. Thank you for dying in, on the cross in my place, and please lead me all of the days of my life. I want you to know that there are people here in New City that are ready to not judge in your journey, but join you in your journey. I want you to know that you're around a good community of people that will come alongside you and show what it's like to be a disciple of Christ and that will answer your questions, that will pray for you. The very next step after becoming a Christian is the public sign of baptism so that the world knows that you are a part of the team. And me, I'll be ready to hear your testimonies of how the Lord has brought you out and how you found your place in the family of faith. Let me pray with you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Nate Bush, and I thank you for New City Church. God, I'm asking that you would bless them exponentially. God, I'm asking that you would do more for them than they could imagine or think. 
Use them mightily in these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.